Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope your weekend was good. Mine was good. I hope yours was good. I hope you feel rested and recharged, ready to take on the week. My Bible opened to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. My desire is to be pleasing and faithful to God and his word. That's what I hope to do and want to be every day. So we're going to start off the show with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, which I believe is uh, getting a lot of snow today. And here, uh, as far as winters in Minnesota, uh, winter in Minnesota happens to be my fourth, maybe fifth favorite season of the year. Patrick, welcome. You're grading on a curve, I hope. I am not. grading on a curve. It's my fourth or fifth favorite yeah, season we are of the getting, year. We're getting blanketed, and, and I'm not uh, I'm not upset about it yet. Um, although, I don't know if you remember one of the airplane movies, and they're, they, the airplane, or I think it was the space shuttle, that runs into you know a little bit of trouble. And uh, Julie Haggerty gets on the intercom to say, well, I want to explain what's going on. We've been... You know, we're a little off course, and one of the passengers says, well, how much is a little? What is a tad? And she says, about a half a million miles in space talk. <laughs> and, uh, but they stay calm, and she says, uh, and and also uh, those those bumps that you're feeling are asteroids smashing against the side of the ship. Also, and they're staying very calm. We're, we're without a navigation system and a pilot. And a guy, a guy stands up. They've stayed very calm, and he says, Miss, are you telling us everything? And she says, well, no, uh, uh, we're also out of coffee. And then they go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got about a foot of snow coming. And I snowplow the driveway. And I come in and I was going to have a cup of coffee. And I said, we're out of coffee. <laughs> oh, no. That's the worst. <laughs> I was all calm and all set to you know, go. I can handle the day. I was doing a, a Philippians 4, 8. Uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Yeah. Until I saw we were out of coffee. And I said, well, I'm going to have to leave the house. There is... No way that I can let this go. Uh, don't you also have your uh, your tea back up? Is that not ready to go? Your yerba I mate actually, tea. I, I did tea. I did. I did my yerba mate. Okay, yerba mate. Yeah, which is excellent tea, by the way. You sent me a bag, and I love it. It is excellent. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Yeah, it's so, not easy to find. Yeah. No, I know. Well, you found it for me. I didn't. I haven't gone looking for it yet, so I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's just uh, kind of recap what happened over the weekend because you and I enjoy watching a little sports now and then. So it looks like our Super Bowl matchup is going to be 43-year-old Tom Brady versus 25-year-old Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Interestingly yeah. enough, uh, it is going to be in Tampa. Kind of nice that the team hosting the Super Bowl is going to have its home team in the game. That's kind of fun. Yeah, but without many fans allowed. So I don't know. Although um, I watched the Packers game yesterday. 
And I only saw the beginning of the Packers uh, Buccaneers game. I only saw the beginning of the other game. And then my 10 year old son came out and he wanted to watch a very specific movie with me. Uh, the, the BFG, a Steven Spielberg movie. They're reading the, the book in school. And I thought, oh my gosh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, there's a football game on. <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's, and there's, you know, there's really, let's see, the other first one is already over. So there's only two football games because I never count the Pro Bowl. There's only two football games left in the season. <laughs> And this is one of them. And then uh, I, I started going all cats in the cradle in my head. Because <laughs> my 10-year-old was coming to me saying, can we watch a movie together, you and me? So I turned off the second football game to watch a movie with my son. You That's got to come. You made the right choice, just so you know. I made the right choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah and when I, <laughs> the end of the game was on when the, when the movie was over. I said, boy, am I glad I missed that. So I, it's going to be... I think, you know, it's going to be a fun Super Bowl, well, isn't it? Well, you know, Super Bowl tickets uh, by nature are expensive to start with. Then you limit the seating in the in the uh, stadium. And then how much does that drive up the price of tickets? It, it sounds like you're doing a Ginsu commercial for a second. <laughs> what do you mean? And now how much would you pay? <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be no, but, there'll but, be no lines at the concession stand. But wait, there's you more. Know, but wait, there's more. Yes. So uh, I think it's going to drive the, the price up. And I, you know, I'm sure it'll be highly watched and then we'll get to watch the TV commercials. And I, I think it's kind of fun. You know, the young guy who I think a lot of people say is going to be the next Tom Brady mm-hmm. playing the real Tom Brady. Um, and I, I, you know, I maybe I hope this doesn't upset people. I like Tom Brady. I do, too. He's and a class I, act. I think. I think he's a class. Tenth Super Bowl. Yes. This will be the tenth Super Bowl. Come on, tenth Super Bowl. And 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 it did take me a while to figure out one of the reasons why so many people dislike him is because chances are really good he beat your team. <laughs> exactly. And he and That's he probably beat them in him. the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. He probably beat them in the fourth quarter when you were about to win, and you say, "Oh no, not him." Well, he got oh, inter- no. got, inter- got intercepted three times so, yesterday, and he still got a victory. So there you go. Yeah, I think that's on the Packers then. You know, people talk about that decision at the end, and I say, you know, you shouldn't have been that close. It wasn't supposed to yeah. be that close. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Packers were supposed to walk all over them, and you even intercepted Tom Brady three times and couldn't do anything with it. So you got beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got beat. Yeah. It was it was fun, and I'm glad I missed the second game and did the cats and the cradle thing. That was yeah. good. Yeah. Well, in over the weekend, I saw that in the talk world, in the TV world, Larry King has passed on, 87 years old. I think at uh, for much of his life, he was three-pack-a-day smoker and made it to 87. So guessing that he uh, kind of had some some pretty pretty good health for smoking that much. Yeah. It, it, it makes you wonder, you know, how long um, and, and how good would his health have been? Did he ever have a bout with cancer at all? I don't like, know. I can't recall. I don't know if he did he or not. Did but you, uh, my did you dad enjoy was his a style? three to three pack. Did, did you enjoy his I style? I could take it. I it was, you know what? I I would not have gone out of my way, but if it was on, I would watch. Okay. And then that's nothing. You know what it is? Is is, is part of it is I kind of uh, don't enjoy the talk format on television um, after Johnny Carson. Okay. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, so many people, Larry King, I think, was a gentle one. And he asked, you know, good questions. 
But I grew up in the Chicago area, and we had Phil Donahue and, of course, followed by Oprah Winfrey. And they were sort of the the, the king and queen of mm-hmm. their time of, you know, sort of a format of sitting down with people and asking some interesting questions. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. What about you? Were you uh, a big Larry King fan? I was not. I didn't really care much for uh, his format and the way he conducted interviews, but I know that he had an incredible career and certainly had yeah. uh, awards and a lot of people that tuned in. So, yeah, I mean, he did something that people liked, and I guess that's kind of what we all yeah. hope to do. Uh, we don't want to please yeah, man. We want to please God, but obviously you also want to uh, do what you do with excellence. Yeah, I, I think... the he always had a tendency, to me anyway, to, to go way out in left field. He'd be on one topic, you know, talking about, you know, Marlon Brando's acting career. And then he'd say, wow, so what is it with you and fried asparagus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little unpredictable. Line of question? Yeah. So yeah, let, it was a little unpredictable. Let me get back to my... That was the charm. Yeah, let me get back to my opening yeah. verse, which is Philippians 4.8. Uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, if we're going to do that, how much do we have to uh, keep our eyes away from social media? 100%. Okay. That's the answer I, I, I was you thinking know, you were going to give. You, yeah. If you, it, it's, it's funny you should mention that, and I did not know what verse you were going to open up with. But um, as you know, I, I, I do these cute uh, lunchbox notes to my kids and I, I put them up. That's what I use social media for. And then sometimes people write me notes and say, Oh, I really like that one today. And, uh, so that means I open up the, the Facebook account. And of course you're immediately inundated with, uh, people. And I said, my goodness, I had no idea Facebook was all politics all the time anymore. And, and it's not just about politicians. Everything has become a political issue. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, is anybody enjoying this anymore? Because how can you possibly think positive thoughts when, as you open the browser, there's a, a 50% chance that somebody's going to say something where you say, I take offense to that. Mm-hmm. Probably a um, pretty good chance. I don't know how we're going to, how are we going to get through, you know, we've got a new president, he's been sworn into office and people keep talking about, you know, what we're going to have this unity thing. And Joe Biden ran on that. I can unify the country. And I haven't seen a whole lot, you know, it's only been a week, but, um, it seems like people are even more upset saying, well, now, actually, I, now that I think about it, I can't forgive you for being for the other guy. And, you know, that goes both ways, of course. Mm-hmm. So I, in order to achieve that, thinking about things that are excellent or praiseworthy, I think you, you have to you really have to turn that negative off. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy because it's very alluring. Mm-hmm. But the minute you get step away from those images and th- those conversations, I, I think it gets out of your head pretty quickly. That's the good news. The good news is when you focus on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, and what is admirable, uh, I think your spirit can change pretty, pretty quick. Yes. I, I rewatched a sermon from our church from a couple of weeks ago just because I enjoyed it so much. And uh, our pastor, Pastor Mike, had this segment, you know, just showing it starts on earth and then as it zooms out through the universe and you realize how an infinitesimally small we are, mm. and that's not an easy one to say, but, um, you know, you start to realize why am I focusing on these tiny little things when I am surrounded by this incredible majesty of what has been created. And, and when you see how big it is and how vast and complex and perfect that could only be done by, you know, this is not an accident. Mm, no. You say to yourself, 
why, you know, who would want me off course from thinking about these good and pure things? That's like, oh, that guy. Yeah. The enemy. The enemy. The enemy. Yep. Who has an insatiable Mm -hmm. appetite for the destruction of souls. And so we have to stand strong and first have to make a decision to be a follower of Christ and put your faith and trust and believe in him and you will be saved and then start getting into God's word. I mean, that's, it's pretty important to know what God's word says. So when you're hearing uh, false heresies and false teachings, when they come along, you're able to understand what it is you've heard or read and how you can defend against it. Well, and, 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 you know, for people that say, gosh, I need more proof that he exists, I I am now of the opinion that uh, you just have to look around. You know, <laughs> you may have to look past your own circumstances, but uh, this this creation itself, life itself, you see, this is proof enough. And, and you know, we're always going to have skeptics. I mean, there were, you know, people in Jesus's time that were there. They they saw, there were people that maybe saw the Sermon on the Mount and said, some some good ideas in there. I really like that. Yeah. And then maybe they were around after the crucifixion and heard about the resurrection and said, that's really interesting. That's that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's not for me. Mm-hmm. So could you have, could you have had more proof than to have been there? And yet there were people that still rejected it. And so... <laughs> Uh, you have to open your eyes and say, I need to look at this proof, and it's right there in front of me. Yeah. In Second Corinthians 4, 4, though, Patrick, it says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. That gets to be, a, a, you know, an interesting passage that we can't go in too deep with right now because we've got to go to break. But when we come back, uh, we can talk about it a little bit. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We'll take a short break and be right back. Happy Monday. Glad you're with me. Be right back. I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. That theme song belongs to Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, who's already gone out and used his snowblower twice today. You're getting quite a storm, but uh, it is called winter. So we're awfully glad that you are inside safe. And in need of a cup of coffee, but uh, glad you're still with me today. I am, uh, well, I and mean, I'm not going to be going very many places for the next 48 hours, yeah. it appears. Yeah. So, you know, maybe the question before we went to break is, you know, why does God allow deception? Uh, you know, God desires all people to, to repent and be saved. And yet mm-hmm. the father of lives, of lies would be Satan, who deceives the very people who would absolutely need to understand and accept the truth of the gospel. So there is a, a blindedness uh, to unbelievers, and it is a, it's an interesting study that I think we all should jump into at some point. I think I should pick this as a topic someday. Uh, it is a great topic. And, you know, it's not that hard when you realize that you, well, all of us have been willingly deceived on many things in life because somebody said what we wanted to hear. Mm, yep. It's, we're choosing okay. what we want to believe rather than what we should believe. Like the vacuum cleaner salesman that somehow <laughs> or another managed to find their way inside my house today. <laughs> um, you know, I thought these guys were going to clean part of my carpet for free. I said, that's exactly what I'm looking for right now. And the next thing you know, they're trying to sell me a vacuum cleaner. And then that's uh, not, not the best example. But 
it's easy to understand deception if, you know, I always say you'll never go broke telling people and selling to them what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. So true. So, um, you know, you look at diet books and it's, it's a constant stream of, you know what, you can eat anything you want and don't worry about that, that pesky exercise thing. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you want to eat more sugar, that's okay. This diet will do it for you. And people said, I think this is a diet I can get behind. I believe everything they say. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I think Satan is very clever in that regard that he, he doesn't necessarily promise uh, or say things that are so outrageous that it makes you say, well, that's just not even close to true. It's just enough. Just enough. Yeah. You say, that, that sounds good to me. Yeah. That sounds good. To me. He will appeal to our desires and then really encourage us to fulfill those desires in a way that will be dishonoring to God. So we'll always be seeking our own self-satisfaction or gratification and that makes, I think, Satan's deception all the more uh, potent. Yes. I mean, it's, 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 his message is, uh, the deceptive message, especially when it comes to religion, seems to be, how'd you like the benefits of Christianity without all that Christianity stuff? <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and it seems to, to work on some people, and, you know, because you, you play on their fears and say, you're not going to want to do the other things. You don't want to be like those people. Wouldn't it be cool if you could be like this person and still uh, be, you know, still be good? And uh, it's hard to be pure. It's, it's, it's hard. I mean, as you know, I, and I say it frequently, if it weren't for grace, I would be in a bit of a pickle. Uh, because I fail a lot of times at uh, being who I should be, as as I know God wants me to be. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it's something I have to remind myself is to be aware of the deceptive message that's promising me something that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And when you reject truth, you're going to put yourself at risk. You're going to become vulnerable to the lie of the enemy, for sure. And I think the rejection yes. of spiritual truth does bring about deception, spiritual deception, um, as a consequence. Yeah, because you were reading from uh, 2 Corinthians, right? Mm -hmm. And you, the, the God of the sages blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Uh, and we, we got to that because there were probably people that saw the resurrected Christ and still rejected it. I know. And so, you know, often when people say to me, you know, if if... God were real, he would do something right here in front of me that would prove it. I said, you know, he's, he's done that. I know. He, he's done that, and people still walked away. So it's going to take something more than that, and it's, it's simpler. It is. You know, and believe in Yeah, we're constantly trying to have God validate our wish list of things that we want for him uh, in order for us to be convinced. And all you have to do is open God's Word. We have been, uh, I've been already completely convinced by what he's done for me. Yes. He doesn't have to do and anything you know right now. Do you know why we want, we want this supposed more proof? Is because we're we're trying to wiggle out a part of the deal. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Yep. We're trying to say, you know, now that I think about it, I need a little bit more proof from you that you're who you say you are before I do these things that it appears you want me to do before I start to live the way that I know you would prefer that I live. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to kind of wiggle out of the contract, if you, for lack of a <laughs> term. You <know>? Yeah. <laughs> but we're saying, well, I need more proof. All of a sudden you're saying, aha, you know, I don't believe you're who you say you are. Yeah. And Which, yeah. And when, when you asked your son or daughter to do something, you prefer 
you prefer obedience from them, not compliance. Like, I'll, I'll do what Dad wants me to do. I'll comply to what he's asking. I'm not happy about it, but I'll do it. And I think that what you would want from them is obedience. You do it because I've asked you, and I'm your dad, and I'd ask, I would love for you to just be obedient. Uh, and I've actually taken it a step further, like if they come home from school and there's a list of post-it notes with chores on them that uh, I did not put out there. Just yeah. so you know, I'm the better parent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, I, I'll tell them as I'm driving them home from school, I said, there's, a, there's lists of chores. So I just want you to know you're not getting out of them. So even if you have to fake it, <laughs> just... Grab them, do them, say nothing, don't complain, don't say, gosh, I had so many things planned. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you know, yeah. take the 20, 30 minutes. And I said, you will, you will see a difference in your mother because she'll say, that's what I, what I love to see. I, kn I know you don't necessarily really want to do these things. And then afterwards, this is the beauty of it. They feel ba better. They feel great. They say, why did that work on me? Hmm. I obeyed in a cheerful manner. And I feel better. I'm not begrudging. I'm not mad at my mother and my father for having me do these simple chores. I think they're simple. And I wonder if God looks at us the same way and says, you know, it's really, it's not just that it's for your own good. You will be happier. You will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good observation, Patrick. I really like that. Hmm. And I think that's exactly the way God would design it that obedience uh, would, would be a joyful thing. And somehow I think the enemy has it in our head that it's going to make you miserable and you're not going to be able to enjoy life and do what you want to do. And that's the lie. Yeah. Is it how much time in a, in a given 24-hour day do you need for yourself? Because it's amazing how we, we can stutter before, you know, volunteering some help or saying yes to something where somebody's like, you want 20 minutes of my 24 hours? <laughs> I had, I had something, I don't know what it was yet, but mm -hmm. I had something planned for that. And, and, and I have this wrestle with myself sometimes where I find I haven't spent time with the gospel, you know, and I'll catch up and I'll read uh, before I go to sleep. I say, why, why, why can't you start your day that way? Sometimes I, I start just let it slip. start and finish. Yeah. But like, what, what, what would five minutes of your day, five minutes of 24 hours excluding sleep. And so for me, that's five minutes of my 21 awake hours. You know. <laughs> mm. Can you give that to God? I would think it's you'd want to give way more than five minutes. I think you'll get uh, hooked on it. Yeah. I think you'll get hooked on it. You'll start and you'll say, this is fascinating. Yeah. That's where you're going to find joy, peace, so and much. contentment. Yeah. Yeah. All in the same place. One-stop yeah. shopping. Yeah. All right, Patrick, you yeah. get out, fire up that snowblower and get out and snowplow some more. In Des Moines, Iowa. Just so I can get coffee. Just, Just so you can so reward yourself with coffee. Yep. All right, thanks. Thanks. Have a great day. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a little break. When we come back, the Monday afternoon mix will take place. Special guest to be announced.
We are uh, enjoying our Monday so far, and now it's time for the Monday Afternoon Mix, which I always look forward to with Pastor David Miles. He is the pastor of Life Groups and Leader Development at New Hope Church right here in New Hope, Minnesota. You can go to newhopechurchmn.org to see his good-looking picture and read his bio. He's also an adjunct professor right here at the University of Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Listen to me. That's where I went to school. <laughs> University of Northwestern. I'm having a rough day. Oh, man. Yeah, I need some empathy. You right? need some empathy? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's lots of empathy. And In like... this room especially. Yes. Well, what's that voice? Who's that? <gasps> Ooh. Is it a possible another voice in the mix? I think so. Uh-oh. I walked in today and I was like super excited because this this person, oh my goodness, just love her heart for Jesus and love her, her gospel wisdom mm-hmm. and uh, have the privilege of just doing getting to serve the King of Kings together with her. So cool, cool. I'm super excited. I think the show is done. Rose- I just uh, right there. It's done. Empathy right there. You just made my day. <laughs> Rosie Browser is, is with us as well today. Welcome, Rosie. Hi, Rosie. Thank you. I feel so honored to be here. Super good to see you. And Rosie, I mean, like, Bill, I mean, like, yeah. that just adds to Monday. I mean, like, roses. <laughs> I mean, like, Rosie. Yeah. Oh, my yes. gosh, it's getting thick in here. Yeah. Yeah. Th- oh, okay. Know, the, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the, the potpourri, bright morning. The fragrance. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I'm getting mm. my shovel mm. right now. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, uh, Pastor David Miles, let's uh, talk about empathy. Well, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's open up and let's just ask this. When you hear the word empathy, what do you think or feel? Because we have thinkers and we have feelers and we want to honor both of them. Mm. I, f- I feel warm. Comfort. You feel warm? I feel warm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And comfort? Mm-hmm. Okay. Warm and comfort. Okay. So describe a season, you know, in your life where someone showed or modeled empathy to you. Uh, well, one of the clearest times I can recall is when I lost my mother and the empathy was just huge. And there was such an incredible display of, of warmth and comfort and care that it was really lovely. Rosie? Interesting. It was about my mom as well. Yeah. I, it's the, I was young, um, 14 or so and received empathy. My mom was in a bad state. And one of my girlfriend's mothers showed true empathy, listened, comforted me, did not give me advice, did not pull my mother down in any sort of way, but just was there to listen and to support and to ensure and encourage. And I remember feeling like this was very different. Wow. Yeah. Okay. PDM, your turn. My turn. Wow. Um, you know, I've been, been blessed to have a number of people just show like, you know, just a genuine love. I remember a friend of mine showing up right after my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just looked at my door, he was there and a buddy of mine, Lon, I remember <laughs> back in the days before, uh, you had, you know, the whole TSA thing. When my dad died, we flew to, um, Fargo, North Dakota and, uh, got off the plane and here's this guy walking up to me and I'm like, first of all, he lived in Minneapolis and I'm like, what are you doing here? And he goes, I heard that, you know, uh, that your dad died and I'm here. And so like, dude went and bought a suit. He was out of town and then he proceeded just to shuttle and just love people. And it was really, really neat, you know? And then my wife, Tammy, (laughs) 
you guys listening audience being married to me <laughs> she shows sympathy because <laughs> yeah you need need help i need i need help i need jesus <laughs> yeah wow it sounds like your friend showed up yeah you know he's a person who just showed up did and you know what's interesting about even the thing around this this first question or a couple of questions is that it's also tied to very close intimate relationships that we have with people mm-hmm. the ways that people show up uh, in our lives and even in the ways that people actually know about us mm-hmm. and so so that's something that's really neat you know Gary Collins um, in a book called Christian Counseling he noted that empathy was a sensitivity to the hurts and needs of others and a willingness and or excuse me and a willing attempt to see and experience the world from the other's perspective you know it's kind of interesting you know even Bill, as you opened up to share about like empathy about someone coming alongside mm-hmm. of you and your mother pa- past, I mean, like I, I just had a moment where I was like, you know, full stop, you know, because that is just like, you know, like wow, and um, you know, I I was in tears the other day, just you know, thinking about my mom mm-hmm. and uh, just how you know sweet and wishing that she was here for some things and mm-hmm. glad that she's not here for a lot of things mm-hmm. and rejoicing in heaven. But just the impact of relationships. One other gentleman named Tavir Nassi said this, being able to understand the needs of others, it means that you're aware of their feelings and how it impacts their perception. But note, he goes, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with how they see things, rather being uh, empathetic means that you're willing and able to appreciate what the other person is going through, you know, and so. Well, and that's powerful because in order to do that, you have to get smaller, right? You mm-hmm. have to put yourself in the back seat and allow someone the space and the time and the energy to have their needs met through you by Christ, right? So we're, we're Christ is using us as the body mm-hmm. to administer his love and help carry their burdens, and aren't we then doing the law of Christ when we do that? Aren't we being the law of Christ when he says, take care of your neighbor above yourself? Yeah, Rosie, you, you bring up a really wonderful point because actually there's been a lot of uh, articles and things written on the subject of empathy. And like one, one Fast Company article gave five reasons. It says, your staff will be more loyal, more engaged. Your employees will work better with each other. Your staff will be happier. Everyone will be more creative. But I want to stop and go back to a biblical reason, which you just noticed and mentioned. And that's 1 Corinthians twelve twenty four. You know, God composed the body, giving greater honor uh, to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but listen, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So impactful. Yeah. So and it, it just also speaks to um, the scripture where Jesus says, I will go after that lost sheep. He doesn't want us in isolation. He wants us in community. And sometimes community can be sticky, can't it? Where you don't really want to be empathetic or you don't want to stop your day. And just that sacrificial obedience, because you're doing it for the obedience of Christ and in gratitude to him, he's done it to you so you can give it to somebody else. It's just, it's this full package that bears such beautiful fruit. I like how you you segue. So, you know, Rosie and, and Bill, 
then what are some ways in which we actually struggle with other people's pain? Because mm-hmm. Rosie brought out, like sometimes you know you're feel you're feeling it, you're perceptive, and sometimes you're like, ah, not another person or thing. So what are some ways that we struggle with other people's pain? Well, we have a usually if it's someone we know and care about, we have a history with them, so we know mm-hmm. a certain pattern, mm-hmm. and you may have a little block that says, "Oh, here we go again," and it might be in a check in your spirit that says. I'm having a hard time being empathetic right now because they did it again. They did it again. The, mm-hmm. the impatience, judgment yep. sometimes. Yep. I know I, the Lord has had to work with me on judgment, especially coming from a family of a lot of addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, the judgment, you just, your patience is low and you think they could be doing something different. And truly, the issue is with you. When you're in that posture, the issue is yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things you guys note is that sometimes... Um, I want to differentiate too, you know, you have empathy and then, you know, a realization of either even healthy boundaries and even mm-hmm. not slipping into like codependency, you know, mm-hmm. where it just becomes like, you know, sometimes people repeat again and again, and there, there is love and there's grace for that. And sometimes people find themselves in situations uh, that they didn't plan. And then sometimes you're like, I, I play, I plead with you. Don't, don't go that route. And they're like, forget it. I'm going that route, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so still being there with the love of Christ, but also understanding healthy boundaries too, in mm-hmm. light of this. Um, sometimes people, as you know, at Rosie, they get tired and there's a term for this called compassion fatigue. Uh, one guy, Charles Figley noted that compassion fatigue is a condition characterized by emotional and physical exhaustion leading to a diminished ability to empathize or feel compassion for others and often described as the negative cost of caring. Mm, My goodness. Do you think that that comes when someone finds themselves in that position? Do you think that that comes because they're working from their own strength and not from the strength and the compassion of the Lord, directing your boundaries, directing when it's time to say no, when it's time to get help, when you're enough and you can't solve all the problems of the world. So do you think that's those characteristics of what he's speaking of comes when we're working out of ourselves? Yeah, I think, I think it, it, excuse me. Yes, I think it does. And I want to go back earlier because, you know, scripture guides us in, in how we're led. Um, Remember that first Corinthians 12 passage that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. One member is honored, all rejoice. You are members of the body of Christ and individual members of it. And this is the part where being connected uh, to a church family, being connected to a body of believers, that we're not, we're not meant to do life alone. Mm-hmm. You know, God's made us uh, for community. You know, mm-hmm. he's made us for a common unity in Christ and to move. But but it also notes here this this issue when one mem- member suffers, all suffer. You know, so it's the understanding, you know, of what that is and walking with people and e- even being okay that you can't fix it, you know, all the time. Right. Dr. Brene Brown notes kind of the difference between em- empathy and sympathy. And for those who might not be familiar, she's a person who's written a lot on vulnerability. She's a sociologist from Texas. Excuse me. And she notes that like empathy is like, you know, a person falls into this pit and a person goes down and they're just like, wow, that that, that looks hard, you know, mm-hmm. and not trying to fix it. So, you know, I can't imagine what you're going through. 
but I want to I want to sit with you. As um, Job's friends did in the beginning when they had it right instead. But sympathy is like, woo, big pit. Yeah, wonderful hole. Yeah, you know, you want a sandwich? (laughs) (laughs) There's a beautiful clip that she does on this, and and it's kind of comical because, you know, um, this person's like, you know, you're in this... You're, you're in this hole, and they're like, you know, basically, you know, you got yourself there. Um, and the other thing is that whatever the person says, the person responds. So she says, um, she says, you can always say that empathy never starts with the words at least. So saying wow. like, you know, I had a miscarriage. Well, at least you already have a child. Mm. Well, um, you know, Tommy got F's. Well, at least Sarah's a straight A student, Mm. you know, so, and I mean, like you can, you can feel that. And, um, one thing that's been helpful as a pastor, uh, in meeting with people that when, when there's stuff that's difficult, you know, I I don't try to like make that better. You know, I've sat with parents and I've just looked across and said, you know what? This sucks. Mm -hmm. This is, this is sucky. It, It just, this Stings. I'm not sure if the beep goes off because I said so. Okay, Ryan. Is that okay to say that? We have a seven second delay. I'm sure. I'm sure he won't put that Ryan's on in the air. Ryan's busy taking these, these words like, up. Yeah. You know, but it's like it's really, you know, it's really, um, it's a really hard thing, you know, when when a child, you know, um, or a young person takes their life, you know, mm-hmm. that just th- th- there's. Th- there's not words for that. When, when parents uh, set their um, lifeless nine and a half month old in your mm-hmm. arms and say, "Will you do their homegoing service?" Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says we don't grieve as those without a hope. But listen, we still grieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I need I need to take a break, but at least I'll be back with Pastor David Miles and Rosie. So we'll be. Uh, Back in 90 seconds. Monday afternoon mix. Awfully glad to have Rosie join us today, Pastor David Miles, talking about empathy. Loving this conversation. This is some good stuff, David. It's sweet. Hey, Bill, you you mentioned that you got a note from one of our listeners yep. over break. Yep, I just got it. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Um, it was saying, I am experiencing compassion fatigue. I appreciate your prayers. What better time? Rosie, right. would you pray? For this person and anyone else in our audience that's listening. Mm -hmm. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the Simons of our world, for those you call to help carry um, the crosses of others, Lord. Sometimes uh, as we help, we um, there may not be others to carry the burden with us. And so, Lord Jesus, I just ask for your supernatural strength, which is always there for us, your supernatural courage, which is always there for us, your discernment, Lord. 
um, to call in other help, professional or um, family and friends to reach out, Lord, but also, Jesus, that you are there listening to this person's heart. You hear them. Um, They are not alone. They are not um, unseen. But you, Jesus, are there carrying that burden with them. And I thank you, Lord, that you've called them to be Simon in this case. Please refresh them, Lord, in in all of your ways and in just the supernatural ways that you can. And I just can feel this person's heart right now. And Mm -hmm. I just thank you, Lord, for assuring them um, that they are seen. In your blessed name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rosie. And, you know, Bill, what's so sweet about this is that another verse comes to mind when it's about empathy. And Rosie just did this. Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, one of the things that's really important about this whole thing about empathy is understanding and knowing people's story. Because even opening on our time by asking questions, share of a time, that's part of your story. That's part of other people's story. And it's really amazing how just the smallest amount of details can change everything. Um, there's, there's a book that many may have read. It's uh, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And uh, there's a story that he has in there that's called the subway story. And he's talking about paradigm shifts. And he talks about getting on a subway one day and they're sitting there and they come to the stop. And all of a sudden, this man comes on with his kids and the man sits down, but the kids are running all over the place. I mean, like they're literally tearing the place up. And, you know, Steve's like, you know, I'm kind of annoyed and I'm looking at other people and they're looking at me and that look where someone's like, is someone going to do something about this? And he felt that it kind of fell upon him. And so he tapped and said, excuse me, sir, excuse me. And the man's like, he comes out of a stupor almost like, and he's like, you know, your kids, they're running all over the place, you know, and they're just kind of tearing things up. And the man's like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm sorry about that. He's like, we just came from the hospital where their mother died, and I'm having a difficult time understanding this, and they're having a difficult time understanding, and we don't know what to do. And Covey goes, you know, in that moment, I felt so small. Mm-hmm. And how everything changed, his irritation vanished, and he was like, you know, what can I do? Like, how can I help you? Guys, listen, that was just with one piece of information. Mm-hmm. Same Subway, same kids, same Steven, same everything. But with one piece of information, it literally transformed the entire moment. And You know, Dr. Brene Brown said also, in order to empathize with someone's experience, you must be willing to believe them as they see it and not how you imagine their experience to believe. You know, uh, resisting to call other people's pains fake news. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, really? And just kind of saying, you know, well, great, that that doesn't look too, too bad to you. And I think that's an important thing about getting to know people. Because one of the things that I observed, I was looking at a, a picture the other day in light of all the things that have happened over the last several months. And I said, you know, these people that are kind of in each other's face, I said, they have one thing in common. They're missing empathy for each other. Mm-hmm. They're missing and they're not, they're not seeing each other. No, they're putting their 
their own feelings first. It reminds me of Romans 15, 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not just to, to please himself. So when you're hearing all these things, they're, they're only concerned of their own opinion and not how it's going to land on somebody else's shoulders. And, you know, that's it's just we as people need to be behind the Lord and our needs. He satisfies our needs. And so when we can be gracious to consider someone else's feelings mm-hmm. first above our own, we're walking in the ways of God. Yeah. And a, and a need to, to be open um, to listening mm-hmm. because we can get into like an echo chamber. Um, author uh, Christina Cleveland wrote in Disunity in Christ, she talks about groupthink, which Gerald Tribble talked about. And it's a psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people in which the desire for harmony or conformity in the group results in an irrational or dysfunctional decision-making outcome. It's like you literally, with your your in-group, you view them and are very merciful and gracious and forgiving, and doesn't matter what they do, you're just kind of like, you know, no big deal. But if the person is on the out-group or considered an other, then mm-hmm. you're, you're extremely harsh, and you're like, and you're suspect of everything um, that you do with the one you like will practice grace with the other one. You're like, we'll practice law and steroids. And it's our climate today, isn't yeah. it? It very much is our climate. And so then we begin to not listen, you know, and hear one another and the journeys that people are going through, you know, and that was, it's amazing what, 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 um, what group think can, can do because you can look back on a situation and be amazed, you know, um, Dr. King, you know, recently had that, I have a dream, we're still, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the things is we, we sometimes like to pluck out certain parts of Dr. King and strip him away from the other parts of Dr. King. So we, there's certain quotes we don't like, mm-hmm. but, you know, but he's talking about the letter of Birmingham jail and writing to other clergy and pastor. But in response to the, to the, the March on Washington and I have the, have a dream speech, Christianity Today gave a response from one of the guys that I don't know personally, but I've met because at Trinity, he's, he was a large part of our school. Um, Dr. Carl F.H. Henry, our, our library is named after him. But the response to the I Have a Dream speech in the March on Washington was a mob spectacle. Mm. And now we look back on that and we're like, we see, whoa, there's this call. And I think it's important for people to understand right now to live wholeheartedly for Christ, even if you are hated Matter of fact, Jesus didn't say, you know, if you're persecuted. He said, when you're persecuted, the world hated, hated me, it will hate you. But we want to make sure that we're being hated for the right reasons, mm-hmm. that we're being hated for the gospel, for things that are eternal, that transcend the borders of our country and go throughout the world, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But it's, it's okay. And I was, I was telling our, my students the other day, you know, to pursue Jesus you know, to, to live for him. I want you to fear no one except to reverence the Lord because that's who will ultimately give an account for our lives to. Mm-hmm. We just have about a minute and a half left, uh, David. What what can we do to become more empathetic? Well, you know, some of the ways that we can be um, more empathetic <clears throat> is what Jesus did. Jesus incarnated himself. He came. He knew all things, yet he was known for asking questions and he listened. You know, one of the key traits of empathetic people is their ability to listen attentively to those around them. You know, and, and it's actually taking the time to invest, to notice things. 
In the story of the Good Samaritan, the same word for see is there for the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. The difference was when the Samaritan looked at the man, he had spalignochismai. He had compassion. Say that word again. Spalignochismai. Say it again. Spalignochismai. <laughs> Say it three Tell times me what it means. Best. It means compassion. Okay. Or another word is sayubano, which yeah. in Zulu means we see you. Ah. And so we know what it is. And to tie it up, both of you guys shared earlier that when what happened with your moms, people saw you. They saw you. Mm-hmm. And Jesus sees you. And Jesus sees you as you're driving in this car right now and as you're listening to us. And if you don't know him, he wants to personally know you today. Well said. Well said. That wraps up our time for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Rosie, thanks for joining us. It's been wonderful. Mm, It was fun. So we're going to take a little break, and that uh, is going to wrap up Hour 1. But Hour 2, Dr. Glenn Pickering is going to be in the studio. We're going to talk about uh, fear of being alone and other issues related to that. It's exactly what the enemy will want you to think, because God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So what would the enemy do? The enemy would say just the opposite. So we're going to speak the truth of the gospel into our hearts today. And that'll all be ahead coming up with Dr. Glenn Pickering. If you have questions in advance, you can send them over via text 877-933-2484. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.